Welcome to The Swifterhood, a podcast all about Taylor Swift's lyrical genius. Whether you've known from her debut album that she's had a place in this world or her folklore has become your evermore recently, we are here to faithfully and wholeheartedly deconstruct each song, lyric by lyric. Welcome to the show. This is episode 107, Breathe and Bye Bye Baby. And we have something special today. We have a special guest who is here to do our fearless feature. (laughs) Fearless feature. Hello, Akira. Hi, Erin. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really happy that you're here and willing to come on the show. I am always happy to be with you, Erin. Oh, isn't that tender? Yes, I'm so lucky to be your neighbor, although not for much longer. That's okay. We'll still be together. (laughs) spirit we'll always be friends that's right um i met akira through her husband works with me and she helped with dance when i was teaching dance and did a program and started telling me books to read that essentially changed my life because i learned that neutrality is not an option that's right Mm anti-racist all the way Mm -hmm. if you are not being anti-racist then by default you're being not racist and if you're being not racist then that means you're not taking an anti-racist stance exactly it just it totally changed my mind like i think before i cared about a lot of issues and things but one reading how to be an anti-racist and two all the other books because you have phenomenal recommendations and we did the book club for a while yes the book club was awesome it's amazing how much more you recognize when you talk about a book with other people from their different perspectives, everyone has something new to offer that you didn't quite think of when you read it on your own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think like before I definitely cared about things, but I didn't. Reading just gives you the knowledge that you need to better understand. And I thank you for that, for giving me those resources. And if you obviously don't know Akira, because <laughs> why would she? you're the audience? That was a stupid thing to say. Um, She loves reading. She has an Instagram account called Engineers Read Too. Yes, it's awesome. So basically, there is a whole Bookstagram family on Instagram. If you didn't know about it, hashtag Bookstagram and you will see thousands and thousands of pictures about books and book reviews and shout outs to different authors. And it's just a nice community of people that loves reading. And you just essentially get a never-ending list of books to read and it's awesome i didn't know that that was a thing until i met you and then also like goodreads and how much people are on that and leaving reviews but the amount y'all the amount that akira reads is really impressive i try to read as much as i can i find that i also have started listening to more and more podcasts and also listen to books on audible or Libro FM, that's awesome because they give money to independent book club bookstores, which mm-hmm. is really important because there's a lot of bookstores going out of business because of your big companies like Amazon, which is awesome. But when you listen to books, it is it offers you a little bit more time that you didn't have to sit down and actually read a book. So I try to just listen to as many podcasts and books as I can when I'm not reading physically. Yeah. The the main word I would give to describe you is probably informed um, because you're the most informed person I know, but also intelligent and wise. Thank you. I agree with you that audible and listening to books. And I think I remember telling you that in book club. I was like, Ugh, if they don't have it in audible, I might not get it. Right. Yeah, it's honestly whatever works best for you. If you don't like sitting down and reading, it's not your thing, then that's OK. Just listen to a book. Um, it's they have different narrators and some narrators are better than others. Some are more engaging, but you'll find what works for you. And honestly, as long as you're getting the information, who cares how you get it? Because essentially knowledge is power. Well, I sometimes I prefer it because like I can do other things and I don't have this feeling of like, oh, I have to sit down and read and it feels like a task or a, a burden. Sometimes I do prefer a paper book because I'm so tired of looking at the computer especially this year. So with Audible, I really like that I can be doing other things. I can be cleaning the house, as well as the fact that a lot of times you can hear the author directly. And by the way, we're not sponsored by Audible. We probably could be. I've looked into signing up if someone wants to sign up with 
audible then we would get like a little bit of money yeah um but we're not sponsored non-sponsored i just love audible genuinely yeah Uh, they have a lot of different options on there as well so they have a really good um library but again if you can you know support independent bookstores i think libro fm is a great one uh there's some other great ones out there as well um so yeah like i said as long as you're getting the information who cares how you get it just like you said when i'm cleaning i love to listen to audible or libro fm uh early in the mornings i like to get up and read on my kindle because now i have a kindle and i was so against it <laughs> yeah i cannot and it is have a so amazing it is so lightweight and i can just take it around anywhere so if i'm like in the grocery store and I'm waiting in line. I'll just pull it out and like read a couple pages and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So Akira today, uh, the topic I just basically asked, what did you want to talk about? Because I know you're passionate about a lot of different things. And like from the time that I met you until now, a lot of, a lot of your passions have changed and it's like the new thing, like what's Akira really into right now? And like yeah. learning about, and you said you wanted to talk about financial literacy Yes. So I would say right around the time of the pandemic, I really wanted to learn about investing. Obviously, everyone knew the stock market was crashing and we were a lot of people were panicking and freaking out. And I just wanted to know why, you know, what's happening, what's making it drop, what's making it um, perform well, uh, what really influences it. So I got a book. And I read a book. It's <laughs> called um, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. And I got that book just to learn about how the stock market works. What I didn't know was that I started becoming introduced to a group of people that's called FIRE. And it's um, Financially Independent Retire Early. And when I heard the retire early part, I was said to, I said to myself, like, I don't want to do that. I literally just want to know about the stock market. And so I read the book and I learned about stocks and investing. And then I started reading other books that he referenced and I started listening to podcasts and the retiring early part sound, sound, started to sound a <laughs> lot more intriguing to me. So I'm yeah. like, okay. I think I can do this. So I read more books. I listen to more podcasts and it's like, oh yeah, I can definitely do this. So I think it's just one of those things where we have been told for pretty much all of our lives that we'll just work until we retire and you retire at 65 and that's just it. That's just what everyone does. And that's not what you have to do. You can live the life that you love to live and still have the things that you value and be able to do it with retiring early and that's essentially by investing or some people like to uh, purchase property however you get there again get there whichever way you find works for you but it's the peace of mind that comes with it when you don't necessarily have to answer to someone you don't have to go to work nine to five you don't have to um, commute and all those things which brings a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress that you just don't have to have in your life. And I think that we're just not brought up that way. They don't teach us this in school. Uh, So the information's out there and it's just you making it work for you and knowing that it can happen, it's possible and you can do it, anyone can do it. There's obviously other factors that play a role like race. I'll never say that that doesn't play a role, Uh, gender, Um, all kinds of things, but there's people out there that has battled with those things as well. And they've done it. So just learning from the people that's come before you, that's done it before and make it work for you. I think that's the most important part. Mm -hmm. That's really encouraging. I know we talked about it a little bit at book club this summer. Um, And I need to still get on that and do the things that you tell me to do, which reminds me of your Etsy shop, all the plans. Yes. So also at the beginning of the pandemic. So a little backstory, my husband and I traveled to Jamaica. I think it was March 13th or through the 17th. It was about four days right before everything shut down in the U.S. So we came back here and the next day, 
everything shut down. My job called me and told me that I couldn't come back because I had been out of the country and that I was quarantined for two weeks. And so I had to find something to do for two weeks. And I obviously started reading the book. Obviously started a business because you're a cura and you're so freaking productive. Well, I started listening to A Simple Path to Wealth. That's really, I mean, it all ties together because I started listening to this book. And I was like, okay, time to really understand where my money's going. Um, What are my goals? What are my financial goals? What are some things that we want to do? So I basically made myself a planner with all these things that I wanted to track. And I showed it to some family and friends and they told me that they would love to have it. And so I made it for them. I shared it with them. And then I thought to myself, well, if they want it, other people might also want it. Mm -hmm. So I started doing some research into Etsy because I had purchased planners from Etsy before. And I'm a little bit familiar with um, design work. And so I just started designing things. And I opened my Etsy shop March 2020. And one year later, it's probably grown tenfold at this point and it's really awesome because I really I love to plan I love to teach people about financial freedom and what better way to do that than to also uh, share it with people through Etsy since they're already buying similar things anyways yeah that's wonderful it's yeah and I remember you had other stuff I don't know if you're still making it but before you had like um, how the healthy eating grocery list. Uh, yes, because that's all a calendars. part of finances as well. So we think about people hate budgeting or people think about investing or people just think about, you know, car payments. But you can save a ton of money if you just spend 20 minutes trying to plan on what you're going to buy groceries for the week so that you're not spending money out to eat when you're too tired or too stressed out to come home and cook. If you just sit down and plan, you know, your meals for the week, it could potentially save you a ton of money. And it might not work for you. But at least if you try, you'll know. So it all plays into how are you going to live the life that you want to live? I can sit on Sunday afternoon, spend 20, 25 minutes planning on what I'm going to get at the grocery store, go to the grocery store and get it. And then the whole week, I don't have to come home every day and cook because I already know I've already made a meal on Monday that might last until Wednesday. And so in the afternoon on Tuesday, I can do whatever I want to do. So really, it's financial literacy and financial um, wealth and teaching yourself about finances. But it's also about freedom at the end of the day, because you just get to build the kind of life you want to live. And that's really what I'm trying to do. And I hope that I could teach other people as well along the way. That's amazing. What do you think would be your dream end goal for this passion? I would really like to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. And I'm not entirely sure what that looks like right now. And I'm okay with that. But I do know that I just want to answer to myself. And for right now, that's enough for me to get me to that next goal. And so it's okay if you don't know what you want in 10 years from now. But if you know what you want three months from now, then that's perfectly fine as well. And then you just keep adding on another layer, another layer, another layer. Like I just told you, I wanted to learn about investing. Okay, I got a book, I read it, and then that led me to opening up Etsy shop. And so then I opened up the Etsy shop. And now I'm trying to think about, well, how can I be my own boss? So I didn't know that at the beginning of the pandemic. But now I know that a year later, a year plus later. So that's awesome. You just keep learning and then setting another goal and then get into that goal and keep setting another goal. That's such good compartmentalization. I'm not great at that i'm trying to work on it that's okay i get really overwhelmed at the thought of like the big picture yeah so i have to really focus on how can i break this up yeah that's awesome i love that you said that because some people it's easy for them to think about the big picture but if you can't think about the big picture just think about smaller steps uh before you get to that point and then even if you don't know what that point is you know you're getting somewhere you know you're meeting another goal And then that just makes you look forward to something else. And then the next thing. That's wonderful advice. I need to take your advice more. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I would like to add, writing stuff down has been so nice. 
because we think so many things in our heads and then there's we don't capture it anywhere whether it's mm. on your iphone uh on your laptop on a pen and piece of paper that writing things down helps you get the ideas out of your mind and onto something so that you make it tangible mm -hmm. and that's so important because now you can see it and then also it's amazing to go back and see what you wrote a couple mm -hmm. months ago I was like oh girl I did that a long time ago like yeah you were so like 10 years ago you know yeah just seeing what you've accomplished is amazing because you see kind of where your mind was at that point in time and how much you've grown since then that's wonderful I love that so much so if there were a book or an organization or both I know you read so much but <laughs> you have like one to two book recommendations and maybe um some type of group that you would want our listeners to support? Sure. So I think that a book that's really good for someone that's just starting out, and even if you're not just starting out, and if you've been on the journey to financial freedom or any type of freedom, there's a book called I'll Teach You to Be Rich. And just by the title, it sounds a little standoffish. But what I think his name is Ramit Sethi. He, um, he is a gentleman that really values teaching people about spending money on the things they love and cutting back in other places. So, for example, if you love shoes and that is your thing, you don't have to cut out spending money on shoes because it, if it brings you happiness, it brings you happiness mm -hmm. and to each his own. Right. So if you love spending money on shoes, then maybe you don't really care about going out to eat. So just cut back on going out to eat or find other things that you can cut out on so you can still spend money on the things that you love without having to sacrifice other things. So I think he does a really good job at that. And he also gives some tips on uh, I don't think that he believes in budgets, which is really interesting because a lot of people in the financial independence world talk about budgeting. But for some people, budgeting just does not work. And that's OK. So he has a really unique way of talking about finances that I think captures audiences that are just starting out and also people that have been on this journey for a while. So that's one book I would certainly recommend. And what is it called again? I'll teach you to be rich. I'll teach you to be rich. OK. There's also a podcast called Journey to Launch, and that's awesome. She also teaches her audience about financial freedom. She brings a ton of different guests on her podcast. She is black, so she supports a lot of um, black businesses. Also, she brings a lot of people on her show that are women because there's a lot of men in the financial freedom space. And so just hearing that there's other women out there that is trying to gain financial independence, that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. And then another podcast is The Budget Nista. And she's really awesome too. So they all have unique things about them that makes their podcast really great. But again, the end goal, I think all of these things will teach you is just how to build the life that you wanna live so you can spend more time with the people you love and that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. So you can spend more time with your children or family or friends uh, while not being stressed out about how you're going to pay your rent the next month or how you're going to afford to go on the next family vacation or whatever it may be at the moment. Mm -hmm. That's that's wonderful. I really do feel like what you said is so true that we're just not taught these skills and you make a lot of mistakes. My husband and I were talking about it recently, like there's some mistakes that we've made that like now we're like, oh, of course, we should not have done that. But you just don't know until you know. So exactly. If, if you can learn it from something preventatively, <laughs> that'd yeah. be good. Yeah, that'd be good. But sometimes you have to make the mistake in order to know uh, what not to do the next time. And again, if you have to make a mistake to gain the knowledge, then make that mistake. Just, you know, trust that you'll learn from it and not make it again. Another part to that is make, making sure that you're being honest and transparent with yourself when you're on what whether you want financial independence or not. Just knowing where you are, uh, being honest with yourself and with your partner, if that's your choice and take it one day at a time. But just know that Whatever it is that is your goal, whether it's three months from now, six months from now, or 10 years from now, 
put it on your mirror, write it down, put it somewhere so that you see it. And so it inspires you to reach that goal. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that I think is very important. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You are so wise. It's wonderful that you're here. And I hope that you might be able to come back at some point. And I know that you are a member of the Beehive. Oh, yes. Yes. I can talk about Beyonce for a very long time. Uh, But the thing about her is not necessarily her music that I love or her entertainment. It's just her as a woman. And she really gives a sense of independence and doing the things that she wants to do without letting her limelight or her accomplishments or the media get in the way of it. Mm -hmm. And I love that she keeps her private life private. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that I love the most about her because a lot of celebrities, they don't do that. Mm -hmm. And you know everything about them. It's like, you don't have to know what's going on in her life for her to be successful. Yeah, that's something that Taylor has learned the hard way. Yeah. And you see her trying to fix now. But we need to do a bonus episode where you just come talk about Beyonce. Oh, that would be awesome. Because I know that you could just, we could have a full at least hour. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I think the listeners would enjoy that. It would be a fun little. Yes. Especially due to her history with Taylor Swift. I know she reaches out to Taylor Swift a lot. I think she actually sent Taylor Swift flowers on her birthday mm-hmm. this past year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Akira. And we hope that you'll come back. Morgan is sorry that she can't be here, but. You all will hear her very soon when our episode starts. Thank you for having me. So check out all the plans on Etsy to support Akira's business. And you can also follow her uh, bookstagram if you want, which is Engineers Read 2 and all the plans. On Etsy. I mean, on Etsy and on Instagram. Yes, That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. All the plans has an Instagram too. Yes. All right. Thank you. And welcome to the show. It's been waiting for you. Welcome to the show. I didn't know that I was doing that. I just felt that I needed to. Is that the first time you've sang? Yeah, and that was not singing. Can I just say (laughs) that I seriously considered when I was listening to Breathe in preparation for this podcast of just saying, let me sing this whole song because I was the first time I was uh, actually contemplating what I was going to talk about in this about Breathe. I was driving home and I had had a couple beers. And so I was feeling like, don't worry. It was just two beers. <laughs> we do not recommend them. Okay, the fine. Cut that out. <laughs> nah. I won't say I was driving home then. Cut it out. On your scooter. I was. I just had a couple beers and I was listening to it. So you always get a little bit more emotional when you've had a couple beers. And I was like, I'm going to sing this song because I feel so strongly about it. And it needs to be on this podcast. And now I'm sitting here in front of you and deciding that that's not what I'm going to do. (laughs) Like you thought better about it. Thought way better of it. LOL. Well, you will sing Hey Steven if we get 75 written reviews of the podcast. That's a Morgan promise. That is a Morgan promise. I did not expect you to say yes to that. (laughs) I I I don't expect 75 written reviews. (laughs) Okay, prove her wrong, y'all. I thought you were for sure going to fight me on that. And when you said yes, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Looking forward to it. I think we can do it. So the fearless feature um, that you all heard already was my connection was with breathe and being able to breathe financially. I really want to take um, the this moment, this opportunity to thank Akira for for taking the time to speak to our audience about this. Um, I really appreciate it, and I'm sorry I couldn't be there myself. That's okay. We truthfully, listeners, don't have the setup yet because I'm struggling with the tech uh, as it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. All right. Yeah, one day we will. We'll have a guest on in real time. I'm really excited to talk about Breathe. I love this song so much. So we know it was co-written and um, features Colby Calais. Mm -hmm. And Taylor said it's a song about having to say goodbye to someone, but it will never, but it never blames anybody. Sometimes that's the most difficult part when it's nobody's fault. I will admit 
this is another one of those. This this and 15 are going to have similar um, original connections because both of them were th- were songs that I skipped up until... What? I know. You skipped Breathe? I did skip Breathe. And I, th- I can tell you why. I think it's because... Tell me why. <laughs> I think it's because back then, I didn't appreciate featured artists the way that I have come to appreciate them now. And I was really excited back then that Colby Calais was going to be on this album because I really liked her back when Taylor released this album. But I expected that they would be more of a duet style like Keith Urban and Taylor in the last song that we spoke about. And instead, she's just, you know, the featured artist. And I've come to realize that people do that, do this featured artist so that they can add depth to the vocals. And now that I understand that, I get it. But it's very similar to my reaction when I don't know if this is this is dating me. But back when um, was it the county? Your husband is dating you. (laughs) No, he's married to me. so you don't date anymore? Okay. Are we really going down that path? <laughs> I'll shut up. <laughs> um, who it was, which group I'm going to blank on it that did um, Pave Paradise and put up a parking lot. That song oh. back in like, anyways, they said featuring Vanessa Carlton and it had like one line that she sang uh-huh. and it was just a little like, and I was like, you can't say that this is featuring Vanessa Carlton when she literally does nothing. Just like John Mayer's song featuring Taylor Swift. She did nothing. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, that was my that was my big um, hurdle with this originally. And then I guess I just never it. There was never that like climax that I needed in this song. Oh, Morgan likes a climax. Oh, my God. You're just coming at me today. <laughs> There was never that point in the song when I originally listened to it. It was just very anticlimactic. It was just kind of, mm-hmm. mm, and maybe I just didn't want to feel that depressed. But you know how I love the Wallows now. Yeah, that's really weird because the Morgan that I know now loves feeling pain. Yes. And so this this song does it for me. And I really love this song now. Well, I've loved this song so much from the beginning. And um, I think... Originally, for me, this song was about a relationship. The one I told you from six to eight, from sixth grade, ugh, frick, I said that wrong, from eighth grade to 10th grade, mm-hmm. um, because I genuinely thought <laughs> this is forever. Right. And like when Fearless was released, I was dating someone else, the guy that I would sing Tell Me Why for. Um, and so reflecting back on that, I still felt a deep amount of pain and also was very close friends with his sister so saw him regularly and this song was just like had me bawling my eyes out and it's it's interesting that you say i originally thought it was for a relationship and so and i think that that's also where the switch happened for me was i obviously thought that this was about a romantic relationship when i first heard it Mm -hmm. And I I have a relationship that I can envision that romantic relationship for, and it kind of fits. And but maybe that's why I didn't have the initial connection because now when I found out that it was actually about a friendship, it hits so much harder. I know, yeah. So same with me. I think like I just found that out today when I was looking at Lyric Genius, and my mind was blown because how short sighted of me to assume everything is a romantic relationship like that just shows you (laughs) how selfish you are as a person it's not even selfish because friendships are you know selfish too but i it's more about like we've always said what our what our world produces to make us focus on you know it's romance that is it's centered on it's not friendships are second and i always end up loving the taylor songs that are about things other than relationships like my favorites are the ones about family and just anything else honestly and i love 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 the relationship stuff too but i'm always drawn to the ones about other stories and the ones with layers which is why in folklore and evermore seeing how songs can be applied to a relationship or a different relationship or a different scenario and all the ways to interpret it that's why i love those albums and now going back through her music I see more of that than I did at the time. And I think part of that was the media's portrayal of her. I agree. And I will say that that moment when I had that split second thought that I was going to open with singing this whole song for you guys. 
it was because I had had that realization that it was about a friend. And I was just like, I know who I am singing this song about. Right. And so it was supposed to be about, I think the girl's name was, if I'm remembering right, Emily, who left the band. Yeah, she was like fiddle player or something. And she went to law school. Oh, yeah. Wonder where she is now. Okay, so you want to, um, oh, let me just say that the hidden message in um, the original release was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, which is not very hidden since she says it countless times at the end of the song, too. But that's what she wanted to get across in her um, original release. Hmm. All right, well, let's get into the lyrics. I see your face in my mind as I drive away because none of us thought it was going to end that way. People are people, and sometimes we change our minds. Wasn't the original, but people are people? But people are people? I I think there was a but there. Okay, so I see your face in my mind as I drive away, because none of us thought it was going to end that way. People are people, and sometimes we change our minds. But it's killing me to see you go after all this time. You know, I think one of of my main um, hang-ups that was kind of um, subtle and probably not obvious when I was thinking about it originally was just like because none of us thought it was going to end that way like that that should have been the cue that it was more about a relation a friendship as opposed to a relationship because Mm -hmm. a relationships between two people where friendships tend to be friendship groups yeah i noted that too from knowing now that if it's about that scenario that none of us would be like the whole crew yeah and that makes a lot more sense And then I see your face in my mind as I drive away is that driving metaphor of leaving and moving on and gives me red vibes, you know, like love is like driving a new Maserati down a Devon street. She always sees driving as a metaphor. And I I do really like that metaphor. Sometimes we change our minds. I mean, that's just very evident that like when you're when you're in a friendship, you both change as you grow older into different versions of yourself. and they're different versions from when from the versions you were when you initially met. And so after a while, you either just have to take a breath, you know, breathe. And sometimes it works out or you guys can be friends again. But sometimes you can't. And I think that that's where it's, you know, people change their minds, people. It's not necessarily just changing their mind, they don't want to be friends anymore, but more along the lines of you change as a person. And so like, the values that you had, don't mm-hmm. align anymore. Mm-hmm. I've had this happen in two very serious friendships. One I already spoke about was after our friend passed, and another one I haven't. But I actually recently was um, speaking with a student about this who was upset and crying that one of her closest friends, she just doesn't know why, doesn't want to be her friend anymore, and was explaining to her what you just said, Morgan. Is that as an adult, you've seen it happen multiple times, and I'm really sorry, but this does just happen. Sometimes you just grow apart as people, and you lose a friend. You do, and and it's no one's fault because every each person probably believes that they're in the right, and um, it's sad because I'm thinking of a specific friend too, and she was my best best friend for. 15 years and um yeah we just went our separate ways and that's who i think about now when i hear this song i think i said this on the last one but i think the friendship hurts longer when i was saying you know i kind of like the spider do you ever really recover i do feel like yes relationships romantic relationships ending are hard to get through but you have your friends whereas a friendship ending is just devastating because you would go to that friend to well, seek counsel but it's not even that it's like when you end a relationship you can always find not can always but you tend to find someone else to fill that void in a new relationship that's probably better suited for you but when you end a friendship you don't really find anyone to fill that void you may have other friends and new friends but it's not filling a void yeah exactly very well put But it's killing me to see you go after all this time. So I even just noted, overall, the vocals are a lot better. And we pointed that out on the whole album. I do think that she still has had an ability throughout the whole 
re-recorded album to maintain a sense of youthfulness in her voice. And it sounds like she does a good job at imitating her younger voice while still maturing vocally. And you can also hear the instruments a lot more clear. And in this one, it really stuck out to me, even just in the beginning, how clear it is with the guitar. Yeah. I mean, just the production value for sure. And these little, this is why I started saying this, those little are a lot less cutesy sounding. They are. They sound more instrumental. The, and the, Yeah. And with the tone of the song. Yeah. Instead of as like just a cute little thing. Music starts playing like the end of a sad movie. It's the kind of ending you don't really want to see because it's tragedy and it'll only bring you down. Now I don't know what to do without you around. I don't know what to be. Sorry, I don't know what to be. I mean, I was probably um, filling that in too because it's be or do without you around in my mind. Yeah. The harmonies in this part are beautiful and you can hear them so much better in the re-record. And that's why it works really well. This is That's why I think now that I know this is about the friendship, I'm okay with the featuring Colby Calais because it's these two girls and their friendship, like it, it really comes off because it's almost like they're both singing these words to each other. Like mm -hmm. they're both realizing. But at the same time, she's driving away, right? And that's in the background. So the featured vocals are in the background. Yes, right. right. So it's the other person. It is the other person. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, music starts playing like the end of a sad movie. You know, she loves the references to film. But it's the kind you don't really want to see. It's tragedy. So she's specifically saying, if you didn't get... <laughs> Bless you, Morgan. Excuse me. She's specifically saying, if you didn't get the metaphor up until this point... <laughs> Are you okay? I'm going to be okay. All right. If you didn't get it up to this point, I'm pointing out blatantly that it's a tragedy. And you... just don't watch it because it's only going to bring you down. I disagree, Taylor. We need to watch the sad films, too. I know. So what I love about her inspiration from films and books is that I saw a lot more of that more clearly in her future albums. And I guess I didn't notice how much she was inspired by movies, film, TV, not just like fairy tales, but specific things to write songs until going through the re-records. Yeah. And I love that because it just shows that she's always been drawing inspiration from things outside of just the relationship she's in. And we know it's never simple, never easy, never a clean break. No one here to save me. You're the only thing I know, like the back of my hand. And I mean, it's that's just such a good um, illusion, such a good metaphor, because like, you know, you're the only one that knows the back of your hand as well as you do. And she's basically saying, I have to relearn all of this of how to be without you, essentially. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this whole part here. One is that easy. Thank you. Easy. She says a certain way that she did throughout the whole entirety of Fearless, but it's less tweety here. So it sounds better just the way that she says it. And then never a clean break is like <sighs> when you end a friendship it's messy it's not clean it's messy people are hurt on both sides so to me that's not a clean break as well as the fact that potentially you don't know where to go from there and you might still have some communications and it falls out for a while so it's not a clean break because it takes some time and like you've referenced before, the no one here to save me, like that person was the person that usually saved her in and these situations. And the now the fantasy is broken. Yeah. Now she's not there. Um, And then we go into the chorus and I can't breathe without you, but I have to breathe without you, but I have to. Um, I love this is one of my favorite things when one thought seems to continue into the next thought. And it seems like one streamline and it feels like flowy, like those continuous sentences and you don't know where one ends and one's, one begins. I love it. Yeah. And, and 
you know, learning to breathe. That's such a basic necessity of life. Like we don't even teach ourselves to breathe, but here she is trying to teach herself to breathe because she has to learn to to exist without this person. Well, they were such a part of her. Yeah. So you can see it as literal as like she can't breathe without the person because if if you wanted to imagine she's crying in that moment or you could see the figurative, which I think I see a lot more, which is that you needed that person to survive. Yeah. Never wanted this, never want to see you hurt. Every little bump in the road I tried to swerve. People are people and sometimes it doesn't work out. Nothing we say is going to save us from the fallout. All right. Well, I noted never wanted this, never want to see you hurt. Every little bump in the road I tried to swerve as I think my favorite lyric. It was really hard for me to pick in this song. But I like that a lot because it's reflecting that I didn't want to hurt you. And when you're ending a friendship, you don't want that to happen. But there's no way to avoid it. And she's saying, I tried everything. I tried to bump or I tried to swerve every bump. And I just always loved that line as a way to explain it. And my favorite line actually is nothing we say is going to save us from the fallout. Yeah. I had marked that one as like, I can't decide between these. <laughs> because it's just, I mean, it's over. You can rehash, you can rehash, you can rehash, but you're not going to come to a different conclusion. Right. She does, the fallout part is less emphasized in this version, but I really like the the wordplay there with fallout because you have a falling out with someone and it's like you've had a, a rupture or a fight, but also a fallout could be like as the pieces fall. Like if you were to throw cards, the fallout would be all the cards landing. And that's not a clean break, right? Like there's right. many pieces to it and it's kind of messy. So I think it works on multiple levels of a falling out as an argument or also just the visual of falling out. Yep. And then we have the chorus again. Also, just one more thing about falling. She loves referencing falling, falling and f the free fall and like falling feels like flying to the bone crush. Like there's jump then fall. There's, yeah. She loves fall. She does. And, well, in the season too. Autumn. And <laughs> did you need to correct me with your <laughs> British snobbery? <laughs> uh, all right. All right. But but I have to. It's 2 a.m. Lyric Genius told me that we know there's references to 2 a.m., but there's six noted references in her songs to 2 a.m. Yeah, I think I was thinking more about why she uses 2 a.m. And here's my thought on the 2 a.m. is that if you go to bed at like, let's say, 10 or 11. I don't think Taylor does. Well, I'm, I I. Here's where I'm going with this is okay. I don't think she's awake at 2 a.m. because she hasn't gone to bed. I think this the 2 a.m. is the the choice is that time on the clock when you've already gone to sleep and then you wake up and you look over and God, it's only 2 a.m. or I can't believe it's 2 a.m. And then you lay there tossing and turning. So I feel like the 2 a.m. is the reference of when you wake up from deep slumber because you're so bothered with stuff. Yeah. And I think it's also that she writes music late at night. Because those are the thoughts that are keeping her up, like you're saying, Morgan. And it does seem like that's when she's putting pen to paper. And so she's like, it's 2 a.m. She's literally noting where she is in time as she's feeling those feelings. Okay. We can, I think they can both be true. <laughs> feeling like I just lost a friend. Hope you know it's not easy. 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 <laughs> easy for me. I... Feeling like I just lost a friend for me is why I originally interpreted this as a song about a romantic relationship. Me too, because if this is about a friendship, then she literally, she did just lose a friend. But perhaps when she wrote this song, it wasn't fully ruptured yet. Yeah. The friendship wasn't. So she's like, in this moment, I'm feeling like I just lost a friend. Like that was a bad fight. Yeah. Or talk or whatever happened. Um, And I hope you know it. This ain't easy. You love saying it like that. <laughs> That's how she says it. Easy for me. She wants the other person to know that it is hurting her too. And that's where she goes, I can't breathe without you, but I have to over and over again. And then at the end, though, it's sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I think what's really beautiful about this is that that's a realistic experience that happens where neither party really wants the thing to end. And it's really relatable to say, 
neither of us were at fault here. Yeah. It's a real life experience, whereas a lot of songs don't go that deep into those experiences. I agree. So what's your rating? This rating could change, like Morgan wanted to acknowledge. I gave it 92 out of 100 easies. <laughs> well, thank God that the easy came back one more time. I gave it 96 sad movies. Oh, so I mean, it's kind of hard for me to still pinpoint a number, but I was thinking of grading and I was like, what grade does this deserve? That's how that's I mean, I know you're a teacher, so it comes more intuitively for you to think about grading. But I do think about it. I'm like, a 96 is an A still. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a 90, higher A. It's a higher A. I'll tell you what my favorite score always was, was a 94. Hmm. Why? I don't know. I really liked the number 94. All right. Well, I can give you a 94 if you want, and a sticker in French. Good job. Bon travail. All right. We're going to take a quick break before we talk about our next song, Bye Bye Baby. And we're back here to deconstruct Bye Bye Baby, the last song on Fearless, Taylor's version. Right. And so for original connection to the song, I wrote none. Right. It's more of an initial impression, I'd, I'd say. Um, and it's it's the last one. So it takes the longest to get to. <laughs> and so I found myself when I hit the from the vault section of the album, I went back and back and so this is probably the least listened to for me at least yeah and i also think this is the one that wasn't in the top was it the top 50 or no it was top 25 because there were 26 songs there were 25 songs and one of them wasn't in the top 50 right but 26 songs on the album right so is this this is probably just because of the way it falls in the order Mm -hmm, because it's last um and i will say that when I first heard this song, I was like, oh, the music is kind of catchy and I kind of like it, but I l- am falling in love with it now. Are you? So here's here's something that I have to point out. When I first heard this song, it sounds a lot like Michelle Branch's Goodbye to You. No way. Because I have written down that the reason it got cut is because it was too similar lyrically to Michelle Branch's Goodbye to You. Is that actually a thing? Like, is that written on the, on the web or did you just think that that's probably why it's it got It's written cut? on Lyric Genius. Oh, really? So take it or leave it. I mean, it sounds so similar. Damn, Morgan. <laughs> I was obsessed with Michelle Branch before Taylor Swift. Wow. Well, okay. So the reason my, and I'm so excited because we haven't, Morgan and I are like saving our conversations for the most part. Yeah. So on Reddit, someone wrote in, and her name is Addie Berg on Twitter. Um, and that's the fan account that if you want to go follow her, you can find her on because Reddit, like I've said before, it's not really, you don't really follow people on there. But Addie Berg, A-D-D-I-E-B-U-R-G. And she wrote, Bye Bye Baby, beginning with the name Bye Bye, is a salute to the end of the album. Taylor is saying goodbye to the project, the original and the re-recording, and simultaneously bye to her innocence, baby, like baby Taylor. She's driving away from her high school self into the bigger world that she's talked about in several tracks. This is a big world. That was a small town. They're in my rearview mirror disappearing now. White horse. And but I realized some bigger dreams of mine. 15. Fearless begins with the title track Fearless, which has lines about the passion of dancing in the rain. With you, I dance in a storm in my best dress. Fearless wasn't just like a movie. The rain didn't soak through my clothes down to my skin. So Bye Bye Baby opens with that line about how it wasn't all that she thought it would be. This song is about being underwhelmed and finding new, fresher, bigger loves and adventures. The loss of innocence after realizing life isn't what you planned in your head. Bye Bye Baby is everything I thought was on my side. It's her new perspective. That's interesting. So if you read this song, which I can't help but do now, especially after seeing the original lyrics... And how she changed it. Like even the title of it was originally. Oh yeah. The one thing I think. 
So even the title changed and the way that she rewrote it, if you compare it, you just can't help but see like these tributes to Fearless as an album. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about it that way. And I agree. That's a really interesting take on it. I still just hear goodbye to you. Well, I haven't heard that song. <laughs> okay, well, after this album or after this record, you're going to have to listen to it. And have you listened to the Paramore song yet? I haven't. Okay, because I am cannot wait. I sent it to you in text message, but Morgan doesn't always text back. I don't. <laughs> like, I can't wait for you to hear it because you thought I was rapping. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a rock song. Okay. It's hilarious. Okay. So to start out, it wasn't just like a movie. The rain didn't soak through my clothes down to my skin. I'm driving away. And I, I guess you could say this is the last time I'll drive this way again. Yeah. So, I mean, that's Fearless Era. Like, it, once you read it like that, it wasn't just like a movie. Like, all the references to movies and romantic comedies. And she found out it's not like that at all. The rain didn't soak through my clothes. That's Fearless. I'm driving away. And I guess you could say all those references to driving away. And also, she's she's leaving it. Like, She's moving on to the next re-record. Yeah, and I mean, also the um, this is the last time I'll drive this way again. That's we just spoke about breathe. She kind of references that too. Lost in the gray, and I try to grab at the fray. So the original lyric was when there's nothing to say, and I try to grab at the fray. So Lost in the Gray, she loves using colors as emotions. And so I think gray is just, you know, the the lethargy, the non um, nonchalance, the just kind of apathy of of, of a feeling. Mm-hmm. That's very well put. I really love I try to grab at the fray. It's like something's slipping beyond your reach. And I just think it's beautiful. I just love the the rhyming alliteration. Mm. The, Drive this way, lost in the gray, grab at the fray, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Because I, I still love you, but I can't. So if this is, if if I still love you, but I can't, if this is supposed to be like a goodbye to Fearless, is she saying that she can't love the Fearless songs anymore? That she can't stay here. Yeah, okay. Like, she's revisiting, and I, like, her thoughts have changed, her values have changed. Like, But if this, and and also like, so if that's the deeper meaning are we just let's just agree to not really deconstruct the fact that this is also about a relationship? I mean, you can definitely see it that way. If you want to represent that perspective, I can do the other. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, but I mean, I don't really need to represent it because it is pretty obvious. Like I'd be just kind of stating facts. It's, okay. If we don't go into the depth of this being like a, a farewell tribute to the album Fearless and that time of her life, that's the depth. Otherwise, it's just a breakup song. Right. I I love it that way. I love that interpretation. Like I said, I'm like, I mean, I still like my rating is still not like crazy high. But I just I've been listening to this on repeat since I read that Addie Berg's interpretation of it. And it just it hits differently. And I'm more emotionally connected to it. I mean, that's cool. I, I, I still need to get there. But I think it is an interesting perspective on the song. So the chorus is, bye-bye to everything I thought was on my side. Bye-bye, baby. I want you bad, but it's come down to nothing. And all I have is your sympathy because you took me home, but you couldn't keep me. Bye-bye, baby. Bye-bye, baby. I mean, can I just tell you what Michelle Branches is? It's goodbye to everything that I knew. You were the one I loved, the one thing that I tried to hold on to. Okay. <laughs> That's similar, but I don't, I mean, does it sound similar? It does. We'll listen to it after. Okay. Um, well, bye-bye I thought to everything I thought was on my side would be like the fairy tales and her whole ideals that raised her. Or just the person that was fighting in her corner is no longer fighting in her corner anymore. And then bye-bye baby is what hits me in the heart if you interpret it as like bye to baby taylor <laughs> and then also like bye bye to the listeners like bye bye babies like you we grew up together yeah everything coming down to nothing from speak now like the story of us here's to everything coming down to nothing 
I I like that she has this idea of I don't I don't even know how to say it. Just the image of explaining that it's nothing anymore. <sighs> did a terrible job. I did have a question about and all I have is your sympathy. Well, I mean, because I think it goes with the fact that if this was on its face a breakup song, the person that's breaking up with her it just feels bad that it got this far and that she's that hurt. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know what she meant by your sympathy. Like, because in my head it was, and all I have is sympathy for you, but it's the other way around. It yeah. just, it wasn't making sense to me that way, but I see it now. Yeah. Okay, because you took me home, but you just couldn't keep me. Um, taking me home is a euphemism for sex. <laughs> yeah. It could also just be... Meeting the parents, meeting the family. Like, that's a committed. big step. Yeah. Yeah. But that is a commonly used euphemism. Yeah. And could be another reason why they were like, mm, maybe this is, like, A, too close to Michelle Branch's song, and B, like, a little bit edgy. And not we're not ready for, for that yet. Yeah, not yet. Also, the lyrics were not as strong. No. So the second verse is, The picture frame is empty on the dresser, vacant, just like me. I see your writing on the dash, then back to your hesitation. I was so sure of everything. Should I keep going? Uh, no, you can stop there. The picture frame is empty. I just wrote that that's, you know, you're moving, you're removing all the memorabilia of the person and their relationship. Like you've had that experience where you've had like a box of things from that relationship. Um, and then on the dresser, vacant, just like me. I, it's just beautiful. Yeah, it is. And then I see your writing on the dash. I really like because it's like the expression you see the writing on the wall, which if you don't know is an expression for like you can tell if something's about to end. Mm -hmm. You see the writing on the wall, you know it's ending soon. And so instead of that, she sort of played with it to be like, I see the writing on the dash, which is a reference to cars. And I immediately thought of our song when she yes. takes out the napkin and writes our song. Yeah, I thought of that too. But then I was like, actually... All of Fearless is filled with car references. It is. And these weren't the original lyrics, right? Mm-mm. Do you, can you tell me what they were? No, because that was your part and I just threw my paper on the floor. Oh. <laughs> okay, so the original lyrics were, and all I have is to walk away. And all you have is to walk away. That doesn't make sense. From the one thing I thought would never leave me. So that's the title from the one thing I thought would never leave me. Yeah, the picture frame is empty. It's black and white. You're smiling down at me. I take your photo off the dash and back to the conversation. What do you think that means? It's more confusing. It is very confusing. So I like the changes, Taylor. And then back to your hesitation. We talked about that. I was so sure of everything. Everything I thought we'd always have. Guess I never doubted it. Then... The here and now floods in. Feels like I'm becoming a part of your past. The whole section there I noted is like the illusion broke, that they're not on the same page. And the hesitation, and she was sure of it, but he wasn't. And so it was the maybe back and forth. And the here and the now flooding in is just the reality. Yeah, I have. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about like the relationship um, part of this song, I have like, I really felt something towards that that those lines because I can I, I'm thinking of a specific relationship where it was you know it was it was a very serious relationship and when it ended he kind of made this reference like this is you know this is not the last serious relationship that you're gonna have like you're gonna get through this um, it's always hard the first time around and I feel like that's what she's kind of saying here is like he's probably been through it before or at least can take it easier than she can. And this is kind of maybe her first time dealing with this big of a heartbreak and not knowing if she's going to be able to, to make through it, make it through because she thought when they started, it was going to be forever because she never doubted it. Right. And I think if you want to interpret it as like the, the buy to fearless, it feels like, 
you know, we've talked about headfirst fearless and how in 15 you said you really connected with those deep, strong, intent, the intensity of adolescent emotions. Yeah. And I think this is her saying like, well, yeah, I never doubted it. I was headfirst fearless. Like I wore my emotions on my sleeves and yet like I started to see the other side of things. Yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it too. Thank you. And now we're back at the chorus again. So bye-bye, baby. I'm not going to go through it again. So then it goes, there's so much that I can't touch. You're all I want, but it's not enough this time. And all the pages are just slipping through my hands. And I'm so scared of how this ends. I originally noted that you're all I want, but it's not enough this time is about her realizing her self-worth. But now I see it differently. I see it as like, it's not enough that I care for you. Like it takes two people to maintain a relationship. Yeah. The pages slipping through her hands, I think is just another reference to stories and books and right. The story of us. Mm-hmm. And then it's the chorus again. So much that I can't touch. You could say shout out to untouchable. Right. And then it's the chorus and it's the end. All right. So what did you write this song? I gave it 75 vacant dressers. No way. Did you do vacant dressers too? No, but this is the second time we've been on the same page with a rating. Oh, really? What did you get? You gave I it- gave it 75 picture frames. Oh, so it's still the the dresser illusion. <laughs> <laughs> Similar picture, but we were on the same page. Wow, look I. at that. Yay. That's always a fun moment. So yeah, that was Bye Bye Baby. Now we're on to... Tell me why. <laughs> Every time. Theories. I mean, I guess I could like insert some type of music in between our segments, but isn't it more fun if I sing? Why don't we take a poll? <laughs> why don't we just take, let's get a hashtag going <laughs> that says um, something really simple like Aaron and Morgan should sing every song on their podcast, The Swifterhood. Is that really simple? <laughs> Are you being facetious? <laughs> and we know it's never simple, never easy. Oh, Lord, of help cor- me. Of course I'm being facetious, okay. which, by the way, is one of my favorite words. And my mother called me repeatedly as I was growing up. She calls you facetious repeatedly? Oh, like every day. I appreciate that. If the shoe fits, walk in it. <laughs> All right. So I just put, because... We've gone through a lot of theories about the trilogy and different release dates and for 1989 and stuff. So I hesitate to even say this because as Taylor's gotten older and she sort of said like, hey, y'all back out of my life and I want more privacy. And we've seen like what a struggle that has been for her. Um, Part of me is like, I don't know that I do want to talk about it. So I'm just going to keep it very basic and like we just don't need to, I guess, focus on it or look for clues because I feel like digging into her life further than that is invasive I agree there was a photo shoot during the lover era where she was wearing a blue dress and she was doing like an arabesque if you have seen that it's like a, a ballet pose and in that picture the caption was the line from lover which is about getting married and she has a blue string on what looks like her left ring finger And I have just been pretty, for a while I was waiting for some type of announcement. And then now for a long time, like basically since Lover, I've been convinced that they've been married for a while and they just don't want to share that with the world because why should they? Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I guess I just don't really think about it. And the thread on her finger would be the invisible string. I I think I got that part. Okay. Well, in case you didn't. Even though it's not invisible. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like like I'm saying, it doesn't matter. I just like people will sometimes say, oh, do you think she's going to tell us she's engaged or do you think she's going to announce that she's getting married? And in my head, I'm like, I think it's already happened. And she doesn't give a fuck if we know. Okay. But she's learned to protect her relationships. Yeah. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing. She doesn't need to share everything with us. Um, and then there's some people online who've been saying that there, she said at one point that she might do medleys from the tours. And so they're suspecting, I guess you'd have to decide, would 
it be on Speak Now or 1989, but this person is thinking it would be 1989 for the medley of Enchanted and Wildest Dreams. Oh, that would be awesome. I don't remember if she did it on 1989 tour, but I suspect that she it. did. Okay. Yeah. So that's why people are thinking it would be 1989. Okay. Uh, and then Taylor Trivia. And what are we doing with this one? I would like for you to answer the unanswered questions that I, you had asked me questions in episode 103. And at the end of it, you tried to forcefully <laughs> give me your answers when it was not your time to shine, shine, shine. Oh my God. So, hey, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what were the questions again? I wanted to see if you would give the listeners your answers. So the first one was, what is your favorite track five? My Tears Ricochet. Yeah, it's the best. Good answer. The second one was, what song do you think is the most underrated? Oh, man. I should have thought about this because you warned me. Um, can I think for a minute? Let me think. All right. So we did pause and it has actually been three days this time. <laughs> 72 hours. I'm just Shut kidding. It's, it's been like a minute. Um, I think the most underrated song is probably Hoax. All right. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> and we took all that time to get here. And what was the last question? The last question is, what's your favorite set of three songs in a row? On I, think I, I think I asked you three or four. Oh, three or four. So I'll give you that fourth. So I'm going to go with, what was yours again? Well, I did um, from Folklore. I did My Tears Ricochet, Mirror Ball, and Seven. Oh, yeah. So mine are Ivy, Cowboy, Like Me. Oh. <sighs> Marjorie, long story short. Okay. Yeah. Those are good. Well, Ivy and Cowboy Like Me are, I feel really strongly about the other two less so. But I know how, I know your feelings. We'll get there. Yeah. At some point, we'll get to talk through those albums. I cannot wait. Well, thank you for playing Taylor Trivia. And next up is our plugs. That's right. So we'll write your name. We wanted to thank Akira for the Fearless feature and... If you all wouldn't mind, you could check out her Etsy, which is All the Plans. And there you can get the digital downloads of her financial planners, calendars, grocery organizers for healthy eating. She has a ton of stuff on there and it's very affordable. So check out All the Plans on Etsy. And thank you, Akira. Remember to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Follow us on social. We got Tic Tac, as Morgan said. <laughs> We got Insta and we are Swifterhood Podcast on both of those. And we are Swifterhood P on Twitter because I guess they couldn't give me the full podcast. <laughs> Email us at swifterhoodpodcast at gmail.com. And do not forget that if you give a written review and we get to 75, Morgan will sing Hey Steven. It's a promise. And our um, bias a whiskey on ice site is linked in the podcast description and on our website if you want to give to that we would be grateful thanks for joining us today bye bye baby